Today we conclude a series together as we have taken time to look together at being human. The pivotal verse being John 1.14, that God became flesh and made his dwelling among us. That God felt all that we feel and experience. We're all human, right? I hope. Oh, good. We're all human. We all experience the full range of human emotions. And what we know from Scripture is that Jesus experienced that too. That there's nothing that we feel or experience that was outside of the experience of our God. And he came to us full of grace and truth, the scripture says. So the first week we looked at Jesus being filled with compassion. That he was deeply moved by the people around them. Him that just like then, he saw people. He noticed their need and he was moved for them. He allowed the pain of other people to touch his life. Jesus was also full of joy. The scripture says he was overjoyed. He didn't need this either or thinking either you have this or have this. But in Hebrews 12 too, it says that he had joy in his suffering. That they went hand in hand somehow. That Jesus who was on a serious mission also had a sparkle in his eye and a smile on his face and a skip in his step as he experienced life to the full. Jesus also experienced anger. He held a whip in his hands and got between others who were trying to stand in the way of others coming to God. He overturned tables but never overturned people. Anger itself is not a sin. The scripture testifies, in your anger, do not sin. So Jesus shows us what it looks like to allow anger to take us somewhere, to make the world a better place on account of it. Jesus embodied sadness in his human experience. He let himself weep three times in the scriptures. We have the story of Jesus with tears down his face, showing the, the sorrow and the anguish we might feel uncomfortable with our pain, but our God isn't. So today in the final, final part of this message series, we notice what is true. The American Psychiatric Association reports that anxiety disorders are the most common of mental disorders that affect nearly 30% of adults. Fear and anxiety are triggered by different things, Fear is triggered from our senses, our seeing, hearing, tasting, touching, and smelling, and anxiety is the reaction to those experiences. Most of us here have had some experience with fear or anxiety. You felt your skin get clammy and that you start sweating, you start trembling, your heart is racing. Have you ever had the experience of laying in bed at night and you're exhausted but fully awake, can't go to sleep? You just can't seem to turn your mind off. You're thinking through all the different things. Fear and anxiety takes different forms for each person, but none of us are immune to reactions to life. After I preached the first sermon here on compassion, I was standing at the door and multiple people came up to me and said, that was really beautiful, but I noticed you have fear in your list. And Jesus wasn't afraid. I'll be interested where you go with that one. This morning during first service, many people said, that was me. I didn't come talk to you, but that was me. Fear, Jesus wasn't afraid, right? 
Jesus never felt anxiety. This is something that I feel, but Jesus couldn't feel that, right? So I ask you, was Jesus human? Was Jesus human? In addition to being fully God, Jesus was human. So he, too, experienced fear and anxiety. He experienced the pain and the suffering that we go through. It's different for each of us. It looks a little different. I had several conversations about fears this week. I love that story Pastor Mike shared because a lot of people will say snakes as their answer right away. Um, Some people will say that they would rather die than speak publicly. Death still appears lower on the fear list than public speaking. So some people would rather be in the coffin, as Jackson pointed out this morning, than be the one speaking. And it was a quote, but anyway. Um, they, this experience, we all are afraid of different things. Give me a spider before a cockroach for me. S- yeah, I don't, I'll take spiders any day over, over cockroaches. But snakes are, are just fine. But it depends on who you are, right? We each have these different experiences. But then if we asked you about the more deep fears and anxieties, what many times comes up for people is losing someone that they love, being alone, watching someone go through suffering and you can't do anything about it. There are all of these fears that we each experience, anxieties, reactions to those experiences. And as we know from this time that we've been in this topic together, becoming emotionally healthy Christians means losing the shame around having those feelings. That we don't have to feel ashamed of anger or ashamed of sadness or of fear. It's what we do from that place, what we choose from that place, and how God works from that place to lead us to God. Let's turn to a place, Matthew 26, where we find Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus is discouraged. He's lonely. He's under spiritual attack. Billy read it for us beautifully just a moment ago. We're going to read on from that place starting with verse 36 and then going through the whole section now. Matthew 26, verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, Sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee along with him, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell on his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Couldn't you men keep watch with me? For one hour, he asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, Father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. 
So he left them and went away one more time and prayed a third time, saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour is near and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. I wonder if you could hear this story of Jesus through the lens of your own human experience. What do you feel with him? If you are trying to see through the eyes of empathy, through understanding, as you look at this passage in which it talks about a scenario, a scene in which it said that Jesus himself sweat drops of blood, that onto the ground he was laying there face forward saying these words, hearing his heart. What do you hear in this? As you look at this through the lens of your own experience, I think you might be able to echo the words of Hebrews 4.15. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are and yet did not sin. We have a high priest who is able to empathize because he's been there too, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. K.J. Ramsey points out, in the garden, we went with our will over God's. In the garden, Jesus said, your will be done. In the garden, we were reaching for things that weren't handed to us. In the garden, Jesus says, whatever it is that you have handed me, I will receive. So Jesus was redoing the human story. With all that came with it, he was redoing the story and yet choosing trust in the midst of this story. He was able to buy the cost for our redemption because he faced all that we did and chose trust. Jesus didn't overcome because he wasn't afraid. He didn't triumph because his body wasn't coursing with adrenaline from fear and anxiety just like our bodies do. Jesus was victorious because he surrendered. He trusted in the midst of that fear, right in that place. Susan David says it this way. She says, abandon the idea of being fearless and instead walk directly into your fears with your values, values to guide you toward what matters to you. Courage is not an absence of fear. Courage is fear walking. The idea that Jesus somehow was immune to this suffering, that somehow he was disconnected. If you read The Desire of Ages, you know that that is not the experience of our Jesus. He could not see beyond what he was about to go through. It's not that he himself had a shield of protection around his heart and mind so that he didn't feel in his body what you feel, but made choices towards trust in the midst of. So with all of that adrenaline and all of that fear in his body, he reached out in trust. And we see in the scriptures that he chose first, his disciples were around him, and he said, please watch and pray. And then he took three with him, Peter, James, and John, and he said, please watch and pray, and he opened his heart to them. And then he went a little further, and he opened his heart up to God in honesty, saying, God, here's what I'm going through. I don't want to do this. Jesus was opening his heart in his fear 
showing courage in the midst of. Do you hear him saying, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink this cup. He couldn't see beyond what he was going through. Can you hear fear and anxiety in his words? Do you hear the anguish? Three times he prays this. Jesus, under spiritual attack, knows he needs support. So the two things that he does in this story, in this scripture, is he reaches out to others for help, and he goes to God. He reaches out to other people, and he turns to God, and he chooses to be courageously honest with God and with the people around him. He's just like David who went before him. Psalm 56, verse 3 and 4. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? This psalm, this song rose up from David's own experience. That in his fear, God met him there. That in the place of his stress, his anxiety, that God met David there. Notice that David's not pretending to be unafraid. He's not slapping on a smile and ignoring what he's going through. But David, the mighty warrior, the one who courageously defeated Goliath and faced his enemies head on. He says, when I'm afraid, I trust in you. He did those things with fear and chose trust in the midst of it. Jesus is doing this very same thing. In this story, Jesus himself is saying, my soul is overwhelmed. I'm feeling fear flood my body. I'm, I'm feeling this sorrow to the point of death. And he turned out, turned to God, and turned to the people around him in honesty. In his agony, he doesn't try to hide it from the people around him. In the glorified devotional app, in the commentary on this passage, it says, courage is the ability to acknowledge our fears and live boldly anyway. Having fear is not shameful or unchristian. It's a normal human instinct. If you're feeling scared today, take your fear to Jesus. I love that because it gets labeled so easily shameful or unchristian to feel afraid. But to acknowledge what we actually feel is the most courageous thing that we can do and to choose trust in the midst of it. For some of us, that's the only thing that God wants you to hear today is that very word to your soul, that your belief is not at odds with your feeling, that your fear does not nullify your faith, that Faith and fear can coexist in the same story. It's what you do with your fear and where you turn and who you turn to in the midst of your fear. David shows that it's normal to be afraid. What the choice that we have is what do we do from that place? Jesus, for him, it came in the form of praying, not my will but yours be done. We can make the choice not to stay in that place, but to reach out in trust and to move towards Jesus and other people. In that very same glorified devotional, there was a story that I love. It's from the book, We Bought a Zoo. Former newspaper columnist Benjamin Mee 
tells the story of moving to the English countryside and purchasing a rundown zoo. And the memoir unpacks the story of his family's roller coaster ride as they reopen the zoo. The financial difficulties, the tensions, the illness along the way. And I love this quote that's shared. Sometimes all you need is 20 seconds of insane courage. Just literally 20 seconds of embarrassing bravery and I promise you something great will come of it. Some of you might have seen this. I got lots of people who said that they've watched this and they really loved the movie of this. That we might not even think of ourselves as courageous people. But if you can have 20 seconds of bravery, if you can find within your fear this place to reach out from that, that you can move forward, that you can find God can do amazing things with this small step. And it goes on, and I quote, Courage is a powerful virtue in short verse. Even if you don't think of yourself as brave, can you stir 20 seconds? And it could change everything. Courage starts small. Perhaps the problem for us is that we are trying to live an oak life when we're really designed to be aspens. This is the oak, the mighty oak, and we often picture faith like this, that we have deep roots and there's this beautiful tree and when it says you will be like a tree planted by the streams of water, we often picture this. But I think Jesus was talking more about us being like an aspen grove. Because aspens, their root system is all connected. And this is so biblical. This is exactly what the body of Christ and these metaphors that we have in scripture are more like the aspen grove. Where the trees have strength because their root system is connected. So we're over here trying to be all courageous by being the oak tree and like, oh, I can stand on my own. And Jesus is like, ah, I meant for you to do it all together. Because when you have courage and I don't have courage, I'm strengthened by you. When you have faith and I'm afraid, we can then be strengthened by the shared root system that we have. So we perhaps are trying to do it like oak trees when instead, we're all interconnected in this network, this root system that holds all of us up, that allows us to be a part of a bigger story because sometimes you lose the plot and sometimes I do too. And so then we have each other to remind each other of what this is all about, to say when you're afraid, when you're filled with anxiety, someone else can come along and remind you of God's power and strength and give you courage that's beyond what you could have on your own. So there's this beautiful network of roots underneath when you see this aspen that reminds us that the aspen tree, that's a, the, the grove that's a single organism is just like us, sharing the same strength. What if perhaps we're called to interdependence? What if the picture of the body of Christ is that we are not all separate but connected? What if the picture of God's people is that the reason we're able to say do not be afraid or have courage is because we have each other's back? That we are able to be connected and present in ways with each other that allow us to have the courage that goes beyond any one of us. It was one of those moments in history that really makes your heart stop. And as I read the article in the New York Times, 
maybe you did too and saw the images, it caused your heart to stop. American artistic swimmer Anita Alvarez, here pictured one year ago, was in Budapest for the World Championships. And her coach, Andrea Fuentes, quickly scanned the pool deck and made a split-second decision to jump in with all of her clothes on. As she dove to rescue her person that she was watching and had trained and loved, and as she saw she didn't come up for air, she dove in. Alvarez, a 25-year-old from upstate New York, had lost consciousness at the end of her solo routine at the event, creating this potentially life-threatening situation as she lie motionless with her body sinking to the bottom of the pool. Her coach said, I jumped into the water because I saw no one, no lifeguard jumping in after her. Fuentes is a four-time Olympic medalist from Spain, and she said, I got scared because I saw she wasn't breathing. We sometimes forget, she goes on to say, that this happens in high-endurance sports, marathons, cycling, cross-country. We all see the images of athletes that can't get across the finish line without the help of someone else. Our sport is no different than others, just in a pool. We push through limits, and sometimes we find them. Fortunately, the two-time Olympian Alvarez is okay, and she went on to compete. But the story and these images are so compelling because she was able to get her to safety when no one else noticed. We sometimes forget, friends, that this life is a high-endurance sport. And just like Andrea said, that sometimes we need the help of others to cross the finish line. Whatever analogy works for you, whether you're in the ring and you're boxing or you're in the pool racing or you're in the field playing the game, it gets intense. And Alvarez herself said the pool was closed. It was very hot. There were many people. The chlorine is strong. And it was overwhelming. And there's times when any of us become overwhelmed in this moment, in this life, which is a high-endurance sport. And so, yes, I really do hope that we take comfort in knowing that Jesus experienced what we experienced, that our high priest is familiar with what we face. I do believe that you try to practice 20 seconds of courage, turning in trust to God, that you reach out support for the support of other people. But when you can't cry out for help, please do not discount divine rescue. Because no one else was watching. But when Andrea saw, she was looking for that breath. And when she didn't see it, she dove in. And I'm moved by this story because I can imagine Jesus standing on the pool deck, watching to see, looking out, saying, oh, we need some help there, you need some help there. I'm sending someone to pull you up. Sometimes that takes the form of a person. Sometimes it's a word from God that just stands out to you in the scriptures. Sometimes it's in prayer. You suddenly know you are not alone and that God is present with you. Sometimes it's a circumstance, a divine orchestration of something where you know that God is with you. Sometimes it's a hug, a phone call. But in your fear... In your anxiety, if you feel like you're drowning, her lungs had filled with water, if you feel like you're in that place, you can't even cry out. 
We have a God who watches for rescue. That's the greatest news ever because he knows what we face. He knows what we've been through. He knows and understands from firsthand experience. God sees. And God is watching for you even now.